Hello, and welcome to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, brought to you by the North Carolina Sustainable Energy Association. I'm your host, Matt Abel. Hello, Squeaky Clean listeners. Welcome to the 53rd episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast, where we bring you the latest in North Carolina clean energy news, policy, and more every two weeks. For today's episode, I'm excited to bring you one last special guest as part of our mini-series on the energy storage supply chain in North Carolina. But before we get started, we have a few updates to share with the group. Just last week, NCSEA wrapped up another edition of the Making Energy Work webinar series with the webinar on rooftop solar in the Carolinas. In case you missed that conversation, a recording is available to all current NCSEA members. For everyone else, make sure to register for the next webinar available to everyone, taking place August 18th at 2 p.m. This next webinar will feature an in-depth look at energy efficiency in North Carolina. We'll dive in and talk about our state's EE goals established under Executive Order 80, while highlighting the huge and significant workforce we have in the sector across the state. Next up, we're celebrating a major clean energy milestone this week here in North Carolina. If you open up the history books, okay, it's not that long ago, and remember four years ago, a monumental piece of clean energy legislation was passed here in the state. Can you guess which one? I'll give you a hint. This legislation was the first significant piece of clean energy legislation passed since Senate Bill 3 back in 2007. This bill was also the result of a nine-month stakeholder process that saw the participation of NCSEA, along with many of our partners. Okay, last hint. One major component of the bill was a provision introducing competitive procurement of renewable energy in North Carolina. Well, if you guessed House Bill 589, then you were right. Yes, that's right. Back on July 27, 2020, four years ago this week, HB 589 passed the North Carolina General Assembly, introducing a number of new programs and provisions altering the landscape for clean energy in the state forever. A few quick highlights from the bill. It introduced new programs like the CPRE just mentioned before, the Green Source Advantage Program, a solar rebate program, a solar leasing program, community solar, and an energy storage study. While there were some really solid components of the bill, negotiations also led to an 18-month moratorium on permits for new wind energy projects. Other provisions like the community solar program and solar leasing have failed to take off for a variety of reasons. While there are some aspects of this bill that NCSEA applauds, we've been hard at work addressing some of its drawbacks through current negotiations down at the legislature. Stay tuned as we provide additional updates on future clean energy legislation that we could expect here in North Carolina. Lastly, I also wanted to use this opportunity to once again highlight the news that earlier this month, NCSEA announced and finalized its merger with the North Carolina Building Performance Association. This news ushers in a new era for clean energy here in North Carolina. We couldn't be more excited to welcome in and say hello to all of the new businesses and organizations that are now members of NCSEA. To find out more about all of these new groups, make sure to visit the NCSEA business member directory on our website. All right, to round out our in-depth dive on the topic of energy storage here in North Carolina, I am very excited to introduce today's guest who will help do a great job of tying together all the previous conversations we've had on the topic. But before we get started, let's recap where we've been on this energy storage journey throughout North Carolina. 
To start off, just over two months ago, we began with a conversation about square one of energy storage development, and that's with the actual mineral resources that go into making lithium-ion batteries. As you may recall, Western North Carolina plays a large role in lithium development with sizable deposits of spodumene, a critical resource our friends over at Piedmont Lithium and other companies like Albemarle are helping to extract and refine to turn into the batteries we know and love today. From there, we went on to talk with our friend David Roberts of Volts about the innovations in various battery chemistries taking the industry by storm. We then went on to talk with our friends over at the International Zinc Association to highlight North Carolina's role in developing zinc batteries, along with Tom Fenimore at Duke Energy to talk about their deployment of those batteries and various others here in the state. Up until this point, we've highlighted North Carolina's role in the supply chain from resource extraction to innovation. And now we're excited to talk with one more company who's helping to package all this together and deliver storage solutions for customers all over the world. With that, let's kick off the 53rd episode of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Clean energy. Clean energy. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing someone with a wealth of experience in the energy storage space dating back to his time with Black & Veatch, where he served for 15 years in a variety of roles on the distributed energy side of the house. Just prior to his current position, our guest served as the Associate Vice President and Account Executive of Distributed Energy at Black & Veatch, where he was responsible for business development strategy for their offerings in distributed resources. Our guest now serves as the Vice President of Development with the local to North Carolina company, FlexGen. In this role, our guest works with clients all across the country and world to deliver integrated energy storage systems enabled by their own software platform. Friends of the pod, please welcome Jason Abacunes to the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast. Jason, welcome to the pod. It's a pleasure to be here. Love love the opportunity to talk about uh, the great things that are happening at FlexGen and and look forward to learning from you as well. So to uh, quickly start things off, can you tell us just a little bit more about FlexGen and the types of services and products that you all offer? Yeah, so we we sit um, uh, clearly in the in the clean tech space. Our our technology is really an enabling building block for uh, the energy transition to a, a cleaner, more renewable uh, power supply, um, and opening electrification of of, um, of other parts of the economy. So so what we do is deliver uh, integrated battery energy storage projects um, to solve uh, complicated grid problems, um, solve power problems for customers. Um, and enable op- capturing opportunities uh, that storage provides um, to in power markets and and to enable renewable energy. Part of the reason why we had you on this episode is is the fact that FlexGen is based right here in North Carolina. So I'm curious how that came to be and and what's attractive about the North Carolina market to your company. Yeah, so uh, North Carolina has been part of um, you know part of our roots from the very beginning. Um, there's uh, really an amazing cluster of, um, of businesses and, and talent uh, around electronics and energy um, in the Research Triangle area and, and North Carolina and the Carolinas more generally. Um, so for, for us, it was about being part of an ecosystem uh, that enabled us to, to tra- attract and retain great talent um, to, on our hardware side, on the software that we uh, develop and deploy um, around the country and the world. Um, and it's really just an ideal place for us to, to continue to grow. Yeah. Fantastic. And, and I think you mentioned too, and being in the research triangle, uh, having lots of access to, to talent coming out of the universities here, standard of living, cost of living, uh, is all great. And, and a number of reasons why, 
uh, we hear companies are, are here in the, the, the triangle and in North Carolina. Did FlexGen originally get started in North Carolina or was it started elsewhere and moved to this location? No, we, we uh, started out, uh, Josh Perra and Doug Moorhead founded the company um, and um, have been in, in uh, the Raleigh-Durham area for, for over 10 years now. Um, so it, it's um, really where we started and where a lot of our a lot of our talent is um, is from and has, has grown and and we attracted talent to to the Raleigh Durham area um, uh, through our through our growth over the years. Can you talk a little bit about some of the projects uh, that that your products have already been deployed in across the country and what what sort of applications are we seeing for these storage products? Uh, I think some of the things that, that we're really excited about are, are all the opportunities that are opening up for, for storage as um, the cost of the technology has come down and as the, the performance of the technology has improved. Um, so a, a lot of us are now aware of a, you know, the explosion of EV uh, vehicles in the market. Um, you know, dozens of vehicles now of, of different models now available um, at, at more affordable price points. So, you know, we think, think of grid storage in, in a lot of the same way that um, use cases to help, um, you know, municipalities um, better control their energy uh, consumption and, and manage their, their interaction with the grid. Um, even a few years ago, we're, we're not very economic projects, but are, are great deals for those, for those customers now. So, um, you know, an, an example along those lines, we're working with a, um, a cooperative utility in, in Indiana now to deploy two uh, seven megawatt, uh, 23 megawatt hour uh, battery energy storage projects um, located at substations with that use case to help them uh, add resilience to their to their system then also uh, actively control and manage their uh, their demand and and relationship with um, with their wholesale electric provider um, so you know benefits both ways they're they're able to provide a, more, a flatter uh, demand profile and also provide resources available at times of peak demand um, so that the grid doesn't get stretched. Um, you know, another area that, uh, that's been very impactful for us is, is, uh, the, the merchant market in Texas. Um, a lot of our, a lot of our fleet is, uh, currently deployed in, in, um, in that market, um, had a number of plants that operated through, um, through the snowpocalypse this, this spring, uh, with cold temperatures, a lot of generators came online and, um, the, our equipment stayed online and, and um, enabled um, you know, power to stay on in several parts of the grid. So um, something we're, we're very proud of, the great work um, from our team members, the, the great hardware, the great software that was involved to, to really enable great performance there. So you mentioned having you know, a, a decent number of projects uh, deployed in, in merchant markets. I'm curious, where does FlexGen see the, the greatest amount of opportunity, you know, across the U.S. right now in terms of deploying some of your, your projects and, and products? So the, the great, great news um, is, is that opportunities are opening up across many different, many different areas. Um, you know, there's a hotspot of development in ERCOT in Texas, in CAISO out in California. There's a significant development in the, in the Northeast. Um, around New York and New England, um, in, incentives in, in Massachusetts, but we're really seeing projects that make a lot of sense in the Carolinas, in, um, in the upper Midwest, into the Midwest. We're, we're building a project currently in Kansas, 
as a as a pilot um, to participate in the in the Southwest Power Pool. So I, I think anywhere that you're seeing um, more and more renewables added to the grid, which is essentially everywhere, um, and wherever you see opportunities to uh, better manage. Um, uh, better manage the flow of power on the grid, which again is essentially everywhere. You're you're seeing batteries start to make sense. Um, the ourselves and the industry has learned a tremendous amount about uh, how to deploy great projects, how they operate, and then how those projects evolve over time. Over just the last few years, that really large scale batteries have been installed on the grid. Um, so there's um, just a, a lot of really exciting opportunities that are opening up for for ourselves for for um, for our, our user group that, that utilize our batteries on the field. So I, I am curious, uh, and talking about the actual like battery chemistries uh, that FlexGen has, has decided to go with, is it primarily lithium ion, um, or have you all started to deploy other sort of technologies out there? And, and what's the reason for the, the, the chemistry and technology that you all have chosen in your batteries? Yeah, so um, I, I've been I've worked in the energy industry for about twenty years now, um, and worked on a lot of different technologies and a lot of different projects. Um, and I've never worked in anything in the industry that changes as fast as battery storage does. I, I mean, it's uh, we it, we almost see things change on a six month basis. I mean, certainly every year there's new products coming to market, a lot of development in the the chemistry, the electronics, um, in the software. So very rapid pace of, of change and evolution and improvement. Um, something we, we recognized early on is that um, battery chemistry is changing rapidly, the technology changing rapidly. Um, to deliver the best projects to our, to our customers, we need to be able to quickly adapt and uh, work with multiple partners so we can always bring the best technology um, integrated with, with uh, the best software that, that we provide. So. So we work with all the tier one suppliers, um, has suppliers out of Korea, Europe, um, the United States, uh, China. Um, same, same thing on the on the power conversion system side. Uh, work with multiple suppliers, and and that really enables us to have the flexibility to plug and play uh, the best of the best from a technology perspective, and then also help our customers evolve their projects over time as new capabilities, new market structures, and new use cases open up for them. Yeah, which was actually going to be the next question I was going to ask is, one, I mean, it sounds like you all have your work cut out for you if you're continually having to stay on top of the market and if it's changing that quickly. Uh, so it sounds like even, you know, after the projects are deployed, that you're providing, um, you know, customer service or staying in touch with the customers, helping them with any sort of O&M issues that come up or helping them to reevaluate new opportunities related to those projects. Um, so that's, it sounds like, that would be quite a bit of work, especially if the technology, you know, changes as frequently as it does. So am, am I correct in understanding that you guys are kind of maintaining that relationship with the customer after projects are deployed? Yeah, th I think that's to, to me personally, that's one of the things that's just really interesting about uh, battery storage and its interaction with the grid is um, think about five years in the future, we're five more generations down in the technology um, a number of different market changes are happening with uh, FERC Order 2222 and, and implementation of other storage uh, trading rules on the different markets. So any of the any of the projects that we're installing today, it's highly likely that the, our customers will be using those assets in a different way within five years and maybe even shorter than that. So um, 
something something that we we work really hard on with our with our clients is to understand how we engineer in optionality and ability to adapt as things change for them in the future um, it, because there is so much change so we we do a lot of things around uh, project layouts to add space to add more batteries um, our software platform is designed you know as a software platform so it, it evolves over time as um, as the markets change, as our customers' needs change, it's um, we we get updates on our our phones every every few months as as things improve. We provide updates every few months on our software as um, as we continually improve the software. So um, it's it really the operating system behind the batteries um, helps to to support the the change um, change in how the batteries are used over time. So can you talk a little bit more about uh, some of the clients or customers that, that you typically are working with at FlexGen? Are you working directly with the utilities? Are you working with developers? Um, I'm curious about that. Yeah, so um, I think I said something earlier, like uh, batteries kind of work everywhere. There's opportunity everywhere right now. So um, we, we do have a wide wide set of customers. Um, our largest fleets are with um, uh, independent power producers um, that are running uh, merchant assets or running... Um, uh, large solar plus storage plants. Um, so, you know, one of our key relationships was with uh, Broadreach Power um, that operates one of the largest store- fleets of storage uh, in the country um, with with assets, uh, current assets operating in Texas and, and a number a number on the way in, in Texas and other markets. Um, we're, we've done work with um, uh, with NIPSCO to, on a, um, um, a Black Star battery to support um a combined cycle plan, which is a really unique application for energy storage. Um, you know, the the previous application, what or historically that what's been used there is a diesel genset with a large tank on site that that's used you know once every ten years, other than test cycles to to start that plant up if there is a black start need. Um, and it gets you know really forward thinking leadership on, on Nipsco's part to realize that they can rethink that asset as a storage asset that can be used all the time very cleanly, but also provide that resilient and reliable black start service uh, for the customer. Um, we've also done a number of projects at, uh, with commercial industrial customers to help them solve difficult power problems at their facilities. Um, you have a, uh, several microgrids operating in, in California now and, and many more on the way. Um, on the utility side, we've, we've, have a, a solar plus storage project operating with uh, Pacific Corp in, in Penguich, Utah and scenic Penguich, Utah, um, that, that helps provide, um, management of, um, of load on a substation, uh, near the town. Um, and, um, you know, again, uh, work with a number of great construction partners as well to help them deploy storage as part of their projects. Um, so it's a re- really wide, wide group of customers, but we're, we're sort of the uh, the Swiss Army knife. We're we're there to help whenever a whenever a, a difficult storage challenge is there. We're we're the guys to call. So Jason, you know, at a, at a high level, we talked a little bit about uh, you know what FlexGen offers, but could you talk about you know some of the needs that are being served in the market with some of the products that you're offering to customers? Yeah. So um, the the power market is changing changing rapidly. You know, coal coal generation, gas generation. Um, it, it, more coal, more so coal than gas, is is a much lower part of the system than it than it had been previously. We also have a lot more renewable energy on the system, so 
we're, we're in a situation now where there's a lot less inertia on the system, a lot, lot less dampening from those really large generators spinning on the, on the system. So what to effectively integrate renewables we really need flexible generation. that's able to react quickly to, to the grid. So, so something that we've spent a lot of time working on is, is um, at the fast end of that is uh, something called fast frequency response is a ancillary services product in ERCOT. So um, what that is, is a charge discharge um, within 250 milliseconds in response to measured conditions on the, um, on the, on the system. Um, implementing that uh, on the hardware and the, the software is actually, you know, much less, even less than 100 milliseconds to allow for communication time and um, and other mechanisms within the system. So, we're our systems are fully licensed to provide that service, um, and that's that's the sort of service that IPPs are now getting compensated for to solve a specific problem um, or an issue that's being created by how we're transforming the grid. Um, so, uh, other things like that will will crop up as we think about many more electric vehicles, uh, um, much more renewable energy uh, capacity on the grid. And it's it's not something that uh, us as engineers, uh, us as an industry need to be concerned about that we're creating a problem, but it's it's just the evolution of the technology to, to provide proper integration and deliver what the grid needs. So coming back full circle to talking about, you know, part of the reason you all are, are located here in North Carolina as being here in a large ecosystem of, of clean energy companies. So I'm curious, and since you mentioned that independent power producers were one of the largest segment of customers that you work with, does it help being in North Carolina with some of the largest utility scale solar developers and EPCs right here in our backyard? Are there any collaborations that have popped up as a result of that? Absolutely have. I mean, there's uh, active discussions on portfolios with several of the um, several developers located in in the Carolina space. Uh, so some things are probably too early. I can't throw names out for for the podcast, but uh, but absolutely, um, sh- sharing the same zip code is uh, extremely helpful in in collaborating on projects. Um, we're we're seeing a ton of interest in in battery storage throughout the southeast. Um, it very different market dynamics than in in Texas or Kaiso, um, but um, but very strong value provided by by energy storage in that market. Um, I, I think the other thing we see is just top really top talent in that uh, in the Carolinas um, with software, with hardware, and um, and with project deployment. You know, for, from that ecosystem of companies, um, it, it's. It, it's so much easier to to operate in that environment where there um, is that kind of um, critical mass of companies uh, to you know train, attract, and grow and grow people um, and create opportunity for them. So so we're you know it, absolutely it's a competitive advantage to us. Um, again, in a lot of ways, it's uh, it's a not to not to compare it with Silicon Valley, but in a lot of ways, it's a much easier place to. Uh, to operate and there's a little bit more room to grow um, in that environment versus versus some of the other other locations. Yeah, that's that's fantastic to hear. Um, and we've noticed that right with with our organization here at NCSEA, we have a number of different sectors that we work with and and represent. And uh, some of our our more 
you know, populous sectors that we have in membership include utility scale solar and uh, storage as well. So glad to see there's a good intersection there. Um, so as you kind of alluded to earlier, the storage market, you know, it changes so quickly uh, and has changed quite a bit over the past couple of years. Can you talk a little bit more specifically about some of the changes you've seen in the market and some of the things that your customers are requesting of FlexGen for the next generation of projects deployed? Yeah, I think um, the the market in a lot of ways, it often gets compared to solar, you know, 10 or 12 years ago. And in some ways, that's a great, a great comparison. I think um, there's the the commercial structures on projects, the sizes of projects, the the technology, everything's changing quite a bit project to project. Um, like one, one of the biggest things we've seen change is just the scale of projects, you know, a, um, a, a two megawatt, you know, four megawatt hour project, um, two megawatt, 10 megawatt hour project was a pretty big project, you know, three or four years ago. Um, that's a really small project today. You know, we're, we're seeing 500 megawatt hour, 600 megawatt hour, gigawatt hour projects and multiple of those um, on the drawing books um, and sort of medium to small scale projects in the, you know, 50 to 60 megawatt hour range now. So um, the, the ubiquity of storage across the, across the renewable energy space is one of the big, big things that have changed. Um, I think uh, understanding amongst IPPs of how they can effectively integrate storage within their power purchase agreements and create value with those assets has matured quite a bit over the last couple of years and is still maturing. Um, so we're seeing a lot of creativity in commercial structures with, with, um, uh, with end users to help with their off takers to help, um, uh, help them solve, you know, um, problems like, you know, Google's trying to achieve 24 by seven, um, shaped renewable energy products. So storage has a key role to play in delivery of products like that. Um, just pure grid integration in markets like Kaiso and, and where Texas is headed, where there's very high penetration of renewables. Um, in these um, market situations where prices turn negative at certain times, where um, oversupply is, is is there at certain times. Um, so, you know, I, I think maturation and, and size are, are some of the biggest themes that, that we're really seeing um, in, in the change in change of the market. Well, that's exciting to hear. Um, and, and so, you know, it sounds like just from from what you all are seeing um, and and what we've heard, the market is growing dramatically. Uh, but I but I'm curious, um, are there still challenges uh, that that we're you're, you're up against at FlexGen or you're hearing about from uh, other companies that you're working with related to the storage side of things? Whether it's you know a policy mechanism that might be a roadblock or uh, issues with the grid. What, what are the challenges that you're seeing that are preventing storage from reaching its full potential right now? Um, yeah, I think from a, you know, from a, a policy perspective, we're, we're all in the industry seeking, you know, consistency and, and strong policy going forward that, um, that we could count on um, and would like to certainly like to avoid the solar coaster um, on the storage cap side. Um, you know, honestly, I think um, the, the, uh, the scale in the market is is coming pretty quickly. Uh, um, the ramp up of manufacturing is is certainly needed for for us to continue to keep pace with with customer demand. Um, so from our manufacturing partners and, and others in the industry, um, I think uh, 
you know, consistent policy across across markets in terms of how storage is treated um, provides that certainty to developers and and how they can recoup their investment in in storage assets. Um, so so for us, we we think it makes sense on its own to feed in a lot of places, but really looking for that consistency um, in, in policy going forward. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense and uh, is something that we hear from a lot of our business members. Uh, where it is is definitely a challenge uh, to engage in markets all across the country and individual states and keeping up with what's going on there. Um, So, you know, I'm curious, since since it it does sound like things are are, are moving fairly quickly, what is what does growth like that mean for a company like FlexGen um, in terms of kind of scaling up in terms of what next steps look like? What's on the horizon for your company? Yeah, no, for, for us, it means um, increasing our teams. It, it also means um, uh, growing in a scalable way and and developing um, uh, mechanisms to deliver projects, um, you know, safely uh, maintain the, the high quality and great performance that, that we that we're known for um, and and do that at a, you know, double, triple, quadruple the number of projects that that we were executing on today. Um, so it's, you know, um, for us, it's a, it's a continued focus on our, our customers and doing great work for them and keeping that at the heart of the heart of what we do. Um, and, and then building the, the organization, building the people, growing the people, um, to, to go deliver on those things. That's, that's probably a simple answer, but it's <laughs> care, care greatly and grow the team. Uh, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, well, Jason, I, I really do appreciate you taking some time to join us on the Squeaky Clean Energy podcast. It was a pleasure talking to you, learning more about your role and learning more about FlexGen and what you all are doing here in North Carolina. Absolutely. I really appreciate um, the time. My key takeaway from today's episode and from our energy storage mini series is the fact that North Carolina plays an integral role throughout the entirety of the supply chain in an industry set to go gangbusters over the coming years and decades. This positions North Carolina nicely as we continue to follow the growth of the industry, helping to again cement our leadership in another aspect of clean energy. And that does it for today's episode. But before you go, we've got another episode of the North Carolina Solar Traveler. Every episode, join us as we travel to each corner of the state to tell you the story of clean energy and the value it brings to our local communities. Along the way, you'll also have the chance to learn a little bit more about each of the communities that call these projects home. So on this week's episode of the North Carolina Solar Traveler, we are headed over to Catawba County and to lead us on this journey is NCSEA's own Energy Program Manager and Duplin County native, Daniel Pate. Hello, squeaky cleaners, and welcome to yet another edition of The Solar Traveler. Thank you for making it this far in the episode to enjoy what is, in my biased opinion, the best part of the podcast, but also props to Matt for warming up the audience with his superb interviewing and bringing the compelling and informative hashtag content to your ears. Anyway, on to business. 
Can you believe that we've already traveled through seven, yes, seven counties in this segment of the podcast? It has been quite the journey. One thing Matt and I noticed, though, is that a lot of these counties that we've been traveling in have been in eastern North Carolina. So now it's time to change it up a bit. So hop into your electric mode of transportation of choice and let's head west. For today's segment, we'll be making our way to the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains as we explore, drumroll please, Catawba County. In Catawba County, you can find over 180 megawatts of solar. Also, you can find two biomass systems at around 14 megawatts. And if you head over to Hickory Lake, by Riverbend Park and Conover, you will be able to see the Duke Energy Oxford Hydro Station. Also, the Marshall Battery Storage Project at the Marshall Steam Station is located in Catawba County as well. While you're at it, head over to the town of Maiden, which is home to the Apple iCloud data center. This is also home to the largest privately owned solar farm in the U.S., which is operated by Apple. This data center is over 500,000 square feet and was completed in 2009. North Carolina is only one of four states where Apple owns data centers. And according to Apple via datacenters.com, its solar generation facility at Maiden produces enough energy to power the equivalent of 14,000 homes. Thanks to utility scale solar, total property tax paid was $469,000. This is an increase of over 2,300% of property tax paid on this land. A few fun facts of Catawba County. You can take in some minor league baseball by going to a Hickory Crawdads game or take a dip at Lake Norman or the Catawba River. You can also find the world's largest collection of log structures from the 1800s located in Hickory. does it for this version of the North Carolina Solar Traveler. Make sure to go on down and visit our friends in Catawba County. And while you're there, don't forget to bust out the paddleboard or tube and kick back, relax, enjoy a nice ride down the Catawba River. And you know the deal. Let's stay in touch on Twitter. Give me a shout at Matt Abel for future episode ideas, questions for our next episode, thoughts on today's episode, and your worst energy joke one-liners. And episode 53 of the Squeaky Clean Energy Podcast is in the books. But before you leave, Don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share the pod on whatever platform you're listening in from. Sharing this podcast with your network and growing the friends of the pod helps us get just a little bit closer to our shared vision of a clean energy economy for North Carolina. All right, that's it. 
See y'all later.